Hi, this is Ryan and Victoria Cole. Welcome back to Needed Conversations. Yes, this podcast is all about the good conversations that we ought to have around our tables and with each other, but we tend to kind of hide it under the table and not really talk about it. And so we want to address a lot of things about relationships, family, love, um, you name it, we'll address it. So we always love your feedback and are getting a lot of feedback on specific topics that you guys want to talk uh, about. So this episode, we are talking about something that's personally special to us. And uh, we kind of called it, I guess, worth the wait. Yeah, we're talking about sex. But in particular, we're talking about the importance of waiting to have sex until you get married. So yes, in today's episode, we really wanted to talk about our commitment, our personal commitment to celibacy and how to navigate through an over-sexualized society and also how to teach your kids early on what is right and what is wrong. I did have a few moms that messaged me and kind of wanting to know would we be a good age to address some of these things and that's exactly what we're going to cover in this episode. Yeah, just some statistics in, um, that I've looked up um, from WebMD and some other places that says by the age of 20, 77% of men and women have had sex. And that includes 75% of the 77 who had premarital sex. Hmm. By the age of 44, it jumps to 95%. Um, and so, yeah, we in our society, we sexualize everything. Mm-hmm. And even when it comes to sexuality, I think the oversaturation of the sexual images and a sexualized culture, it diminishes the power behind sex mm-hmm. and and what can happen in a covenant relationship that moves beyond just that physical experience into a a a really a collision of the spirit the soul and the body where the two individuals become one flesh what do you think victoria oh yeah i mean i definitely agree and this is why we really wanted to kind of go over our personal story and what drove our decision and some of the challenges that we you know, confronted as young adults, because that was not something. And even now, it's not something that most people applaud. They think it's weird. Um, Just because in the society, you know, YOLO, you live once, so you try everything, you know, and especially with all these issues that we're having in the world about, you know, genders, and you address a lot of this in your book, I Love You More, Most and Forever. So I think it brings so much confusion to a young adult when, they don't have a clear understanding of, you know, how powerful sex is and what it was designed for. And um, yeah, so I really wanted to kind of start off with a personal story, um, not really going too far because I really do want to address a couple of other things and want to talk to the singles and then also to the parents. So why don't you tell them, you know, what your commitment was, commitment was and how you came about doing that, you know, around your age and some of the challenges that you might have faced during that time. Sure. Well, you know, I grew up in church, but we kind of uh, strayed away from God, I'll say, um, when I was about eight or nine years old. And I didn't really come back to God and have my own personal encounter with the Holy Spirit till about 15 years old. Mm. But lucky for me, I think it hit right at the moment 
where I could have crossed over into, you know, exploring dating and just kind of being really frivolous with my my body and my decisions. Um, so I really think that was the key to to me guarding myself. Because at the age of 15, I had such an encounter with the Holy Spirit that my one obsession was God's presence. Mm. And right away, I was being discipled. I was discipling others. I was, you know, ministering, teaching, you know, singing, leading. And, um, you know, I, I think it was God's hand of protection upon me. And a lot of times I was labeled because of, of that real, that real passion for the things of God and the fact that I just didn't date around, you know, people wanted to call me gay or people wanted to just, you know, label me all kinds of things because they didn't understand my starch commitment. And you weren't even saying that church people were calling you gay. That's right. Even church people, which is crazy. And just in society, I think that we push people mm-hmm. with this obsession for them to you know want to date Mm -hmm. and now you got to get married before a certain age or this is you you need to have children it's like never ending pressures and culturally it it can become even worse i know when i met you in the ukrainian culture it was like if you were 20 something you were considered an old bride Mm -hmm. uh which is crazy to think about Mm -hmm. um so but for me you know, I never really had that conversation with my parents about sex. Um, I learned about it in school, learned it about, about it through friends or, you know, cousins. So plain and simple, the uh, the main thing that kept me uh, to my commitment to purity was my deep relationship with God. And really, that's the only thing that's going to be able to keep you to purity um, in a world that is just so filled with um, sex every turn of the corner and so much pressure to have sex, um, you know, and it happens in, in for both men and women. I can mm-hmm. only know my perspective, yeah, perspective as a you, male. Like, what do you, what would you say to like men? How, how you feel like you, I mean, I know you said like about staying in Christ and all that stuff and being filled with the Holy Spirit and really serving, but what would you say to men yeah, that I, really kept you. I think that commitment to purity um, comes down to an understanding of how important marriage is. Mm. And I really had that understanding because my parents had been married for, for a long time. My grandparents had been married for 50 years at that point or more. So I had that example. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that example. I think that's why it's so important that we teach the importance of marriage, even in our educational system. You don't even have to insert religion into the equation to just list out statistics and see how marriage affects virtually every part of society. You're talking about economics to the healthcare system to to virtually every aspect of society is impacted by marriage. And I think if we have that understanding, And even looking back at some of these other statistics, too, of divorce, women who have 10 or more partners are most likely to divorce out of every other group. Um, Women with three to nine sexual partners were less likely than that. But of course, women with zero to one partners are least likely to divorce. So Mm. marriage is the key um, to a health healthy society. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that as a young person, having that displayed to me by my grandparents, my parents, 
I knew that was something that I wanted. I had a dream in my heart as a young person to to be a dad and to be a husband. I don't know where it came from, but it was there. And also I can attribute it to my youth pastor. His name was Pastor Tim. And he was the one who actually married us. Mm-hmm. Um, he just made a profound impact on my life, really, when I first came back to the Lord and helped to disciple me. And he taught a lot to our youth ministry about the importance of purity. Uh, he had this one uh, sermon that he would preach called <laughs> uh, Who Touched Your Oreo or something like that. And he would do. You said biscuit. Was it biscuit? No, no. He, would, <laughs> he had other phrases, too. But. Yeah. If he hears this, shout out to Pastor Tim. But uh, put him on spot. Yes, but he basically he passed around a cookie jar around the auditorium of a, a several hundred kids and you know teenagers, and we had to dip into the cookie jar, crumble it up, bite it, do something, and by the end of it, he just set it up there, and he just really talked about the importance of purity because of you know the impact that those sexual relationships make on your soul. And that really was profound to me, too. And he did this purity commitment that I, you know, did, Mm -hmm. which was um, true love waits, um, the rings that you get after you commit to a year of of purity, you sign a commitment card. And then if you bring it back the next year, you get this silver ring that you wear in purity. It was a really cool experience. It helped solidify it. And I wore that ring for years Mm -hmm. um, just as a reminder to myself. And it kind of you know, warded off some of the women. (laughs) I remember a few times when I had forgotten to wear it or something at church. And those Sundays I would get hit on by women in the church, crazy enough. But nevertheless, that was kind of my story of purity. And then I knew also that I wanted a wife who shared those same values. You know, if she wasn't a virgin completely. I definitely wanted her to still have been celibate for a while and have that same mindset, that seriousness about sex in general. And so when I met you and one of the first conversations that we had after two or three dates was what are your stance on purity? And um, the good thing about it was I didn't have to question it because I had watched you over the course of a year as your friend and just in conversations with our friend group, I could already tell that that was your stance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to get that confirmation when we were dating and to hear your passion about, you know, celibacy, it was it was good to my heart, you know. Mm-hmm. So why don't you share with them about your experience? Yeah, well, mine was kind of similar to where, you know, my parents were not the ones who really talked to me about it. Um because, uh, you know, my parents are Slavic and the way that they got engaged, you know, if I told you the story, you would be like shocked almost, but maybe we'll leave that for another day. So they were kind of, my mom is like really, I wouldn't say like naive, but she just kind of likes to keep things very low. She doesn't like to like show anything off. She even made us like hide pads. Like we would ask pads for like from our sister Like if we'd pass it across the table or something, she's like, hide them, hide. Like that's how my mom was. So she was shy. That's what I meant to say. She was shy about a lot of these things. So um, yeah, and don't judge me. We do have 12 kids. But um, my sister, my oldest sister, she is five years older than I am. Never got along with her uh, besides like a few months before she got married. But one thing that I do appreciate my sister for is uh, around like 
12, I think. It was probably more 13 or 14. Uh, she actually went to a Christian store when those were really popular. You know, you get your little tracks from there to sing and stuff like that. The little booth. And um, basically the frame said true love is worth the wait. And she made a commitment that, you know, she will wait for her husband and be celibate. And I feel like she had that talk with us. And I don't think she like really divulged into all the details, but I think it made it really seem special to me that, you know, I'm going to really save myself for just that one person. And I want that person to do the same. So she, and when she actually got married, she signed that card because her husband committed to that as the well. The frame. The frame, yeah. And then I got passed, it passed on to me. And then, you know, several of my, several of my other sisters got it as well and they signed it as well so I feel like that right there kind of really impacted me to save myself and yeah people thought that I was weird you know especially like in our culture like usually uh during that time you would get married pretty young um and a lot of people that I was around like you know college or school they thought it was odd that I wouldn't have a boyfriend or that I wouldn't date around because personally to me I feel like my focus was so much about you know, personal growth and really focusing on God and just really, you know, growing spiritually. And um, I feel like that it kind of drowned out the pretty things that you see about relationships. Like a lot of people see people with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they think, wow, I need to have somebody, you know, especially during like uh, Valentine's Day or whatever, or somebody to treat you nice. But I think as a single person, it's very important to focus focus on yourself and really mature so that whoever God puts in your life, you're going to be able to really make the right decisions in regards to who you're dating and who you're going to just right away say no. Because to me, at that point, I feel like, you know, hitting 18, 19, and maybe some people would call me like, you know, stern in some way because I would say yes or no right away. Um... I knew right away when I talked to a person what their life was about, whether they were putting this on or that they were actually authentically living it. And so I feel like when I think I met you um, at that year, I always share the story that I felt very content to be by myself. There was no desire for me. Like I had the desire to be wife, but that whole year I felt very content just being by myself. I didn't have those thoughts of, wanting to date somebody or get married, even though I was 23. And so I feel like when we, you know, started hanging out together and you were coming over to our house and we were having tea nights and we were just hanging around with the youth and a group of, uh, in a circle of friends, we were singing, worshiping and having all these conversations that single people do, you know, do have and some of the challenges that we were facing. Um, and we ended up, you know, talking about the same thing, which kind of surprised me because I feel like I had a little bit of a different view or perspective of an American culture, um, you know, how people date here and how people do things. And I'm not saying that that's just everybody does that, but that was just my perception of what an American culture is. So I just feel like that was just my journey towards that. And I am so glad that I made that decision because my focus during this whole time is that I was thinking about my children, even though, you know, it was years from me having kids. I was thinking, you know, I would love to tell my child, do as I did, 
because it was really the blessed life. And I'm not saying that that's everybody's journey, but that's my personal commitment that I made that I just wanted to make sure that when I have a daughter or I have a son that I can tell them, this is why we are blessed. And this is why we didn't, you know, have to have other challenges that these other people have. And I feel like that we can grow together without having to bring in any kind of baggage. And so I feel like that that would have been a great conversation starter for my kids and just be a good example. That's what I really wanted to do. I didn't want to have to tell them not to do what I did. You know what I mean? So that kind of pushed me through. And of course, uh, volunteering and uh, growing spiritually, that was the time that we started going to an American church was we stepped out of a Slavic culture. So that was very different for me too. So just adjusting to a lot of things. So that was kind of my personal story. Yeah. So uh, I think there's a couple things that we can point out there um, because people may be listening. Uh, you may be listening and hearing a story that is very whitewashed in a sense, you know, it's very uh, Holy Mary, you know, mm -hmm. the Virgin Mary, but that doesn't mean we didn't struggle. That right. doesn't mean we didn't have temptations or want to step out and have what what everybody else was telling us was a, a, an amazing thing. You mm -hmm. know, it, especially uh, as a guy, I can only speak from my experience, you know, to having um, been introduced to pornography and having that struggle as well. Because purity isn't just about the sexual act, but it's about keeping your heart pure and your mind focused on the things of God. Um, there's even purity that you have to maintain in your marriage once you're married, you know, mm -hmm. um, respect for one another, care for one another, um, and that you don't uh, allow your mind and your eyes to go anywhere else other than your spouse. So it's a discipline that you continue on into marriage. But one of the things I want to point out is the fact that um, if you are immediately physical with a person, you basically are like putting blinders on and ear muffles on, on your ears to be able to hear and see the red flags or, or, or the, the things that are obvious about this person um, that you should run and mm. run fast and run away. There was this meme I posted on my social media. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, about, it says me, it was a woman and she was just like completely, her sign had fell all the way on her neck. Like it was From like the a, back. it was like a stop sign or something. And it says me asking the Lord uh, for a sign as to whether or not he is the one and that's totally true. I also think of Bruce Almighty, you know, when in that movie with Jim Carrey and he's driving down the road and he's praying and he's like, Lord, give me a sign. And the truck pulls out and the entire back of the truck is nothing but stop, yield, flashing signs, do not wrong way, dead end, you know. And, and so when you become physical, science even proves this. There's two things like there's anger and there's infatuation. When you get red. Um, basically you, you got passion in your eyes, lust in your heart, you cut off your decision-making ability in your mind. It mm -hmm. makes it really hard to make a rational decision. And so you end up putting yourself in predicaments that you, um, you shouldn't have been in. Um, the other thing uh, I want to tell you too, is that purity, those standards begin far before you find yourself 
in an empty room with a person mm -hmm. with the lights off, you know, mm -hmm. it begins all the way back and saying, I'm not going to allow myself to cross this line and the line starts way back here, mm -hmm. you know, in the first and second phase of the dating process, I'm not going to be in a, in a, uh, in, in an intimate place with this other person. You know, we can date out in the public. Mm-hmm. We can date where people can see us. We can, you know, keep ourselves accountable. Victoria and I have this experience that, you know, even once you're engaged and you know that that's the person you're committed to, you have to make those boundaries even further. I remember mm -hmm. after getting engaged, Victoria and I just had this, you know, attraction and we wanted to be with each other so bad. And we had to set parameters on how late we would allow ourselves to be. We have 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or, you know, at that point we had decided that kissing was okay in our relationship. But, um, you know, during that engagement period, there would be like two weeks where we'd be like, we can't kiss for two weeks because that's just, it would just lead to somewhere else. So being really that firm, it sounds crazy. But, you know, I, I think that it's necessary if you are going to maintain this standard of purity in your life. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you know what? This is not only uh, in regards to, you know, keeping yourself, uh, you know, celibate and not having sex. I think it starts with your mind, because if if you can keep your mind pure, I think it also helps you to be disciplined in what you think and what you allow in your mind. Um, because a lot of times, you know, just because some people don't do specific things don't mean that, you know, we don't think s certain things that may be inappropriate. I think it starts at the very early age that you should start disciplining your mind and you just, you don't allow yourself to go there. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I think that's where, uh, how we said even in marriage that it's never a big thing that causes, uh, like a big explosion or disruption it's little things that you allow the enemy to uh let you kind of say oh it's okay it's okay and then by the slowly end of it, lowering those slowly, standards you know yeah. day after day and, and it's it who you surround yourself with in a place to where you can get addicted you know there's people that are sexually addicted um to pornography and all that kind of stuff so but it really is about who you surround yourself with yeah you know the type of company that you keep um, what their standards are, um, you know, there's the, the principle I'm trying to remember it of five, you know, you are the sum total of the five closest people around you. Mm -hmm. And so their beliefs, their values, their ethics, wh what their standards are. You know, I even think in terms of popular culture, the movies that we allow ourselves to mm -hmm. watch and which scenes I know Victoria and I have had to make that hard decision, even this past you know, a couple of weeks, we were deep into this television show and we wanted to finish it, but it got to the point where it was becoming inappropriate mm -hmm. and um, it crossed the lines for us and our values. And so we had to turn it off and swallowed the pill and moved on. Um, but the same can be said about music or the people you follow on social media. You know, you might think it's innocent, some of these people, but and, and I don't want to really name them off, but um, just entertainers who even in their music videos, they might as well be, you know, butt naked in a, you know, whatever, because it's just so graphic. But and that you know, implants not, that in your mind. Yeah, And I feel like we are, we have so like 
conform to it where it's almost like normal and mm -hmm. it's so degrading i don't know why women are not outraged i know this me too movement and the woman empowerment i'm all about woman empowerment but let's not degrade ourselves like whenever we see a female do that to me it angers me because i feel like it furthers further uh puts this bond on men and i'm not you know blaming men but i'm not saying that they have an excuse for this as well but i also believe that we as women can play a, a role in what our men are struggling with we all have to be accountable because we it's are. the women who are struggling too yeah i was reading a statistic about you know something like 30 percent of women struggle mm. with pornography as well mm. and so you know n men are not the only ones but i, I definitely get what you're saying I think that we all have to be accountable. Yeah, I was definitely saying it from a perspective of a female and just seeing those artists do what they do and hearing people say, oh, I'm so inspired by this person. Like, I'm not. It's, yeah. it's they're not, number one, they're not living for God because God would not want you to degrade yourself and expose yourself and do all these things in order to gain money and fame because that's short lived. I think the quote unquote sexual liberation of the 70s or whenever that happened, you know, years ago, it, it wasn't a liberation. It was a deception. And mm. in fact, it was a bondage. We think that being able to sleep with whoever, whenever, and just to, you know, have sex be a casual thing is freedom. But if we only knew what what that did to our souls and how that locks you up emotionally and you tie yourself to individuals and, and i say this and and I, kn I know it could come off as you know biased men towards women um and but i'm saying both sexes should abstain until marriage mm -hmm. but i think women get the 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 short end of the stick when it comes to premarital sex um, because women are natural receivers you can look at your body and you're made up of um, this ability to take a seed and turn it into a baby. And so, you know, that translates into every aspect of your life. Women are abil their, their ability to multiply what you give them and innovate and create. And it's just a special thing, but they're receptors, they're mm. receptacles. That's why they're highly prophetic because they can sense environments and people and women. When you have sex with a man who is not qualified, then you open up your soul uh, to, you know, being infected with whatever issues that they are struggling with. And we said this on an interview a couple weeks ago about, um, you know, whenever you have sex with someone, you are beginning that process. It's called ikad in the Hebrew of the one flesh. It's the fusion of the man and the woman becoming one again. And um, that sexual activity puts you in a position where you are face to face with that other person's demons. Mm. And I say this not to say that they're necessarily de demonically possessed, but every single individual has vices. We have challenges, we have struggles. Mm. And the reason dating is a process of qualification is because whoever you marry is going to be anointed to carry your burden with you That's good. and and there and you're going to be anointed to carry theirs and i'm not just talking about the vices i'm talking
talking about the density of your calling and, and your anointing and what, what God wants you to do and the problems he wants you to solve and the weight and the pressures of that. But in particular with premarital sex, it does have to do with the vices. You are dealing with that person's baggage on a spiritual and soulish level. Mm. And you have to qualify that person because if you... Uh, are are not built. If you don't have the capacity to carry that person's burden, then it's going to crush you. It's going to put you in a tailspin. And and I talk about mental health a lot. Mm. And I think that there are a lot of diverging causes, you know, coming from a lot of places. Sure, there are chemical imbalances. Sure, there are uh, you know legitimate um, medical issues that may need even adjusting with some medication. But a lot of these other issues out here, uh, you know, have roots in, I believe, premarital sex and, you know, women and men who are, you know, basically mixing DNA and mm-hmm. you are connecting yourself at a molecular level, even if there's not conception, uh, uh, you know, impregnation or whatever, there is still this deeply you know, biological and soulish um, connection that you are making with that person and you have to qualify them for it. I'm going to say one other thing before I pass Mm -hmm. it back to you, but, you know, in my book, I talk about um, the tabernacle as a blueprint Mm -hmm. for, um, for marriage and dating. You have the outer court, the inner court and the holy of holies. Listen, a lot of people could be in the outer court. Only a few people could be in the inner court but only the high priests could enter the most holy place. And that's what I want to emphasize too. And even when they had the tabernacle, the priests who were even qualified, if they had any moral indiscretion, if they entered into the holy place uncleansed, they could die. Nobody can see God and live. Nobody can enter into that most holy place with dirty hands. You know, that's the standard that God places on his presence and even his relationship with us. Thanks be to God that we don't have to, you know, do all that work, you know, striving to earn our place back in the most holy place with God, because Jesus Christ is that mediator that cleanses us with his blood. But if you relate that to marriage, you know, those who are not qualified to enter the most holy place, and if you haven't gotten it yet, I'm talking about sex, those who have not qualified, uh, if you allow them into your life, you push yourself into death cycles. Hmm. You'll start seeing every part of your life deteriorate. I promise you, your health will deteriorate. Your career will deteriorate. You'll be distracted on all fronts. Your relationships will start crumbling. But I promise you, and I know this is me kind of on a soapbox preaching. If you commit to purity, God will honor that. God will protect you. There is power and protection and provision. And there is national blessing upon the covenant, Hmm. a covenant of marriage in particular. And I think that that sexual activity is the seal of that covenant that you have to preserve. Um, You don't have to test drive a car. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, the manufacturer, you know, God. And if you allow him and his Holy Spirit to lead you in the dating process, he's not going to let you fall behind. You know, God invented sex. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he would want to put you with a person Um, that you wouldn't be attracted to, or I'm telling you, if you have this deeply soulful, intellectual, um, 
you know, relationship with a person where you are spiritually connected, I'm telling you the physical will come. I promise you. And it's something that you grow in together. That's what I love about, you know, our relationship personally to all the single people uh, out marriage outside. uh, I mean, sex outside of a marriage is very uh, destructive to your being, to your soul, to your body, to your emotions. And so just waiting may not be, you know, it doesn't sound popular or you may have things in your mind like what Brian was saying is, well, I don't know if I'm going to like that person in that way, but I feel like that God knows what you need. I feel like I had a specific list of, you know, what I want my husband to be. And I feel like God completely surprised me, you know, but in a good way. Now that we have faced challenges and things, sex is just such a small part of, you know, marriage. You have all these other things that you have to do and discuss and work through. Um, And even though sex is powerful in marriage, because it also helps you to push you along your vision and the mission that God, you know, places on your marriage. So, yeah, sex is a very small part of, you know, your marriage. So don't put such a big focus on that, that you completely become distracted to focus on what's important. And for singles, you know, my suggestion would be, you know, to really find your identity in God. I feel like so many people struggle with that. They don't even know who they are. And they already try to jump into a relationship with another human being. In the words of Medea, if you're lonely, get a puppy. She's, she was saying how, you know, most people get lonely and they just want like hook up or they want to find somebody to give them flowers said, just be by yourself, like <laughs> learn to be by yourself. And that's the truth. I've, I've always you and told God. And guess what? Friends, good friends, good go relationships to the movies by yourself. Come go on. to the movies. Yep. And treat yourself. Yes. Yeah, this is the time you guys to, to spend your time you know, going to conferences, meeting new people. You don't have to wait around on a person to treat you to a nice meal or to buy you a nice gift. Buy yourself something That's nice. Right. Treat yourself. Get your nails done. And Go you know to the what? spa. Yes, but most importantly, invest in yourself, even at the, at this intellectually, time. Intellectually, yes. you know. Buy good material to read. There's so many people that can mentor you at a distance, you know, maybe some people that you really like to listen to. Like personally, we really like Lisa and John Bevere, just how they do their ministry and raising their kids and then their transparency. And that's something that's somebody we really look up to. But we also have people in person. Yeah. That mentor us as well. Mentorship is vitally important. And listen, you know, you can get mentorship from a distance. You don't even have to know the people. We've never met John and Lisa Bevere or some of these, but you know, we've consumed their materials, watched their videos. So you got to get the book that we've written. I love you more, most and forever. Get it at my website, ryancoleempowerment.com. And guess what? Purity is something that you pass on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people ask us, you know, in particular, when is the right time to talk to my kids about sex, especially in this age? This might have been a different answer, you know, a couple generations ago. But I think times have so evolved with how accessible you can Act, you know, find stuff about sex and just a Google search and things that pops up. You know, I Instagram, hear kids, Facebook, yeah. yeah, kids having phones at three and four years old. I mean, they're seeing a lot of stuff. So there, there's a lot that we can can say about that. But my suggestion would be um, to start the conversation as as young as you can. 
even at two and three years old, we're not necessarily talking to our kids about sex, of course, but we're talking to them about their bodies, even in bath times and mm -hmm. not in a graphic way, but just, you know, getting them accustomed to the difference and, you know, knowing that, that I'm a girl or I'm a boy and, you know, don't let anybody touch you in these places. And, you know, and as your kids grow older, if they start asking questions or if they start making comments, don't brush it off, address it head on. I say it's better to be very upfront and honest. Don't you know sweep things under the rug because your kid is just going to do a Google search. Either the, that or they're going to learn it the wrong way. They're going to the Google search is going to be the wrong way too. Well, I mean, sometimes even friends exposure, you know, if, if sure. other kids are exposed to things and it's in a very destructive manner, your kids are going to, and the thing is that they're going to feel shame. You know what I mean? And it's not something to be ashamed about. Right. I think it's something to be dis discussed. And I think some parents, you know, I don't know, depending on, I guess, where, when they grew up, they might have had that feeling of shame and yeah. feeling like this is an embarrassing topic to discuss. But it's very important to be transparent and tell them what's right and what's wrong so that your kids don't learn it from some Joe over there that, you know, is saying it in a very wrong way or, you know, has his own perspective. And then your kids are like, just like afraid to talk to anybody about it because they're freaked out. You know, one of the things that I've known a couple of people that do, especially if you're fathers, you know, when your daughter reaches a certain age, take them out on a, a father daughter date and give them a little promise ring, mm -hmm. something like that. Really talk to them about how how powerful they are as females and, you know, the importance of staying pure. Um, and you can do the same thing with guys, you know, giving them just the honest truth about sex the good the bad and the ugly and not being bashful about it you know it's not something that has to be this touchy subject this is real life it's something that they're going to encounter you would rather them hear it from you and you know if you're a parent um, you may be a single single parent single mom single dad you know you have to set the example of of what it means to date and and do it god's way and you have to set the standard in the relationships that we that you have if you're married that's a good thing um you and your spouse should talk with the kids together you should you know um live that example but if you are a person who has kind of a a scattered past sexually and you've in, had many sexual relationships you don't have to live in shame or condemnation you can commit yourself to purity today you commit yourself uh, to God, commit yourself unto God and ask him to give you the strength and the courage and the accountability and any friend, quote unquote, that doesn't understand that uh, you can set new boundaries with or cut ties with. And trust me, for every friend that you lose, um, every person that condemns you for this decision of purity, I promise you God's going to bring somebody else along that will be there to support you, undergird you and walk this out with you. Hey, we're among those. Mm -hmm. Let us know how we can support you in your path to purity. Just make the decision today. Ask the Holy Spirit to be your guide and, and it's going to be the best decision that you make. That's right. I definitely agree. So, yeah, we are definitely going to continue this conversation. I know there's so many more things we actually wanted to say, but well, we're going to close it off for today. 
I know this is a, a lengthy subject. We could really break it down and go deeper, but we're going to stop right here for right now. But if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us a review. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a friend, um, be sure to share it with them as well. And uh, meanwhile, you can definitely get Ryan's book as a resource. Um, I love you more, most, and forever on his website, RyanColeEmpowerment.com. Um, as always, you guys, this is Needed Conversations with Ryan and Victoria Cole. We'll see you guys next time. See you next time. <laughs>